This week on the Wager Pager podcast. MGM Resorts has inked official gaming partnership deals with both the NHL and the New York Jets of the NFL. We'll fill you in on the details. Nevada Sportsbooks report all-time high revenue numbers for the month of September. The first September with legal sports betting outside of Nevada. Esports wagering is coming to Europe and could be a reality in the U.S. one day soon. We'll tell you what company is making it all happen. And our guest this week is Barry Horse, also known as Kieran outside of Gambling Twitter. Barry Horse is one of the hottest computer model handicappers on the platform. And former Marist College defensive back Jimmy Dice Rulin returns to recap our picks from last week and make our selections for college football week 10 and NFL week 9. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager Podcast. guys and welcome back to the wager pager podcast where we talk about everything in the world of sports gambling news and give out picks and analysis i'm your host mercedes barba don't forget to follow me on twitter at mercedes bianca and i'm here with my co-host and boyfriend chris rogers and i wonder chris do you think people are starting to fade you yet after your third straight losing week whoa hey now low blow right off the top I don't know. We always say fade or follow, so I guess any way I can get the listeners to the window is fine with me. What's up, guys? This is your other host, Chris Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter at the Wager Pager. All right, guys, let's jump right in. So MGM Resorts has had a really busy week, and its first partnership, the NHL, has just named the resort its first official sports betting partner of the league. This is a multi-year partnership, which MGM CEO Jim Murren is calling historic. MGM is going to get access to all of the NHL intellectual property, which includes trademarks for use in marketing and promotion. MGM will also have real-time game data. This partnership is gearing up to be ready next season. And MGM Resorts also just announced it signed a gambling partnership with the New York Jets. This deal is also a multi-year partnership, and it's the first of its kind in the NFL. This agreement will give Jets fans access to MGM mobile apps, along with other amenities. These two deals already follow similar deals that the MGM already has with the NBA and the WNBA. Nevada had a record September. More money was bet and lost at Nevada Sportsbook since the state began tracking sports betting in 1984. $571 million was bet in September, and Nevada won $56.3 million of it. Both those numbers are an all-time high. This is all according to the Nevada Gaming Control. The record-winning number of $56.3 million tops the previous record that was set back in 2012, which was $53.3 million. And the $571 million that was wagered totally beat a previous record of $565 million. The common denominator here, football was where everyone was losing, of course. Betters lost $44.3 million of roughly $389 million in bets just in the month of September. This marks the 62nd straight month that Nevada sportsbooks have won against the betters. What's more interesting here about the story is that the record month is the first football month since sports betting was legalized. Just to compare, New Jersey's Division of Gaming Enforcement said that the state won $24 million off 183.9 million bets in the month of September. Just a side note here, in my personal opinion, 
a lot of people were saying with the legalization of sports gambling sweeping the country that maybe Nevada would take a hit and people would be doing less sports gambling there. But I feel like since there's more interest in legalized sports gambling in more places, people are actually interested to go do it in Nevada as well. Let's see if that trend continues. Yep, and the numbers show that. All right, guys, so moving on here. According to Variety Magazine, Unicorn, it's spelled U-N-I-K-R-N, an esports gambling company that hopes to fuse esports technology with blockchain and Bitcoin, was just issued its wagering license this week by the Isle of Man. The Isle of Man is an island that is a self-governing British crown dependency in the Irish Sea between England and Ireland. Unicorn was established in 2014 and has raised millions of dollars from investors like Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. It's the self-proclaimed first sports wagering company in the world that operates completely off of Bitcoin transactions. Unicorn, who previously rolled out their online products to 20 countries, will very soon offer esports wagering in most of Europe, Latin America, and South Korea on their platform. Before this week's deal, Unicorn could only offer real money esports wagering in the UK and Australia. Soon, esports betting will also be available in the US. Skill based betting, which allows players to wager on their own abilities in games like Fortnite, will go live in 41 states at a yet-to-be-determined date. U.S. fans who want to wager on live esports will have to wait a little longer for spectator betting. All right, guys, we're super excited for this week's guest. He's one of our favorite computer model handicappers on Sports Gambling Twitter. Here's Barry Horse. What's up, guys? We have a really cool guest this week. You may know him. He is the host of the Sports Thoughts podcast with Jerry and Kieran and the author of the Bet It Up newsletter. We welcome to the Wager Pager podcast, Kieran, a.k.a. Barry Horse. Kieran, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Hey, what's up, Kieran? Um, How about for our listeners that may not know about you yet? Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this crazy world of sports gambling. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, like probably most people, I what seems like most people in America <laughs> growing up, I played a ton of sports, um, loved it, watched it every single day, every single night. I'd be watching sports in some capacity, um, and somewhat uniquely, I was also like, despite being an athlete, kind of like a huge, not kind of, I was a huge math nerd, <laughs> um, and so it was kind of like a weird contrast. And I never knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and when I got, I guess, my senior year of high school, we were offered a programming class, a computer science class at school. Um, I signed up for the first one and loved it. I, I knew pretty much instantly that's what I wanted to do in college. Um, and I just, I got really lucky. Um, but literally within a week of showing up at college, I went to USC down in Los Angeles and, uh, Got some email on some like huge blast list that I'm sure 90 people, 90% of people just ignored and, uh, got some invite to apply for a job at a MBA analytics company called Second Spectrum. Um, at the time it was literally just starting like maybe a month or so before that. And, uh, long story short, applied, got through, worked there for a year and loved it. That was kind of my intro to like the whole sports analytics world. And, uh, data science and some of the more complex machine learning stuff. 
And, uh, yeah, I, I, after about a year or so of doing that, school got a little harder, so I, I stepped away. But um still had plenty of free time to watch sports and sort of realized that uh given my two passions with sports and data analysis, I could uh find a way to uh make money doing something I like doing. <laughs> and you got in, you got into Bitcoin too, right? Uh yeah. That then so funny enough, um that's kind of like the reason. A- after I started building these predictive models to start sports betting. Uh, I heard about Bitcoin and a sports book called Nitrogen as a means to get money down. And uh, that's a whole nother really long story. But <laughs> essentially, the night I heard about it, I was kind of instantly hooked. And I, I'd say I spend as much, if not more time, working on some uh, contributions to Bitcoin um, than sports betting. So uh, that's another huge passion of mine as well. Nice. Uh, I mean, we're going to get into this later in, in terms of like all your data and your analytics um, to kind of give our, our listeners a little bit of a quick thing before we get into like the longer question later. Um, how does Bitcoin analytics and like sports gambling analytics kind of go hand in hand or do they go hand in hand? I think Bitcoin's a really useful tool in sports betting, even if you don't really fully understand how it works and you aren't convinced in its long-term value or anything. I think it's still a useful tool and medium through which you can deposit and withdraw from sportsbooks. Um, mm. At least in my experience, a lot of the ones I've looked at and when I was first getting into the space, <laughs> a lot of these are pretty sketchy. And uh, it's tough to find many who have a really good uh, sterling reputation. And uh, a lot of that has to do with sketchy withdrawal rates and deposits and just... uh Weird things when inter- interacting with credit card, like fraud or, or bank accounts and whatnot. Um, and so I think it makes sense for a lot of people um, to use Bitcoin for depositing withdrawals. More often than not, it's going to be faster and cheaper. And then uh, you get an added benefit of not having to connect your uh, credit card or any personal information yeah. to the account. So um, I think that's probably without getting into like any of the real use of Bitcoin and, and just sports betting. I think that's kind of a good uh, use case for it. So, Kieran, with uh, the legalization of sports gambling kind of sweeping the country, would it be safe to say that you're looking forward to a uh, legalization happening in your home state of California? Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think I think I overlooked the impact of it. Uh, Chris, I initially thought eh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it hasn't really stopped anyone from doing anything yet. Um, and already just in these last few months since PASPA was repealed and even like not many states have really changed, but even still without that happening, there's still been a pretty apparent increase in how much people are covering it, talking about it, how, uh, how much more socially acceptable it seems. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, very happy about that and, uh, looking forward to it. Nice. Um, so you know, we're going to segue here a little bit. Um, tell us about the name Barry Horse. Where did you get, you know, your, your Twitter name and, and your name from? <laughs> it's really simple. It confuses a ton of people, uh, which I don't blame at all. Um, so for those who don't know, the Kansas City Chiefs are a team in the NFL, and they have a safety named Eric Barry, who's one of my favorite athletes in all of sports. He's a not to go on too much of a tangent, he's he's an awesome guy, incredible player, but even better person. Um, hmm. Fought back and, and came back from uh, leukemia. He's, he's just a really cool story. But anyways, 
He also happens to have a phobia of horses, which I kind of feel bad <laughs> for making fun of. But uh, it's literally just a joke about that. So Eric Berry is afraid of horses, so I just combined the two Berry horse and uh, just ran with it. <laughs> so, so if you look, that's my profile <laughs> no picture too. Yeah. So the profile <laughs> picture it, is. No is uh, it's him holding some like horse puppet trying to uh, do it for therapy, get over it. Oh, that's <laughs> right awesome. on. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And for people that don't follow you on Twitter, they should go follow you right now. It's at BarryHorse29, and you can go see that picture. <laughs> right on. And Karen, so you you only recently got on Twitter, like back in May, I think. What what can you attribute to uh, the quick popularity that you've gained? I think you have like fourteen thousand plus followers now. What what's the number one thing that's bringing people t- towards you right now? Um, honestly, it's probably the fact that I don't really do anything for the point of gaining followers. If that makes sense, like I think a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I think a lot of people get um, stuck up in like chasing that number, which is fairly empty and meaningless without context. And even if it's not, you you it kind of encourages like bad behavior. Um, and yeah. so I, I guess maybe just the fact that I've been pretty genuinely just sharing content, I think it's helpful. And then, I, I mean, honestly, the real answer is probably just uh, the stuff I've been sharing wins a lot. <laughs> just to be to be honest, I think that's always probably one of the most important things to people. But uh, I do think there's not there's there's a good amount good amount, but um, I'd say more like well informed analytical sports betting content is not super prevalent right now and the ones that are presenting themselves as that have kind of like a lot of bogus behind them and they're not super legit so uh maybe that's part of it i don't i don't really know the internet's a wild place yeah yeah (laughs) i think people like the transparency there yeah everyone loves a free handicapper especially one that's on fire (laughs) yeah exactly i'm not i'm not selling anything so they know i'm not uh trying to fudge any records or anything um, so speaking of like handicapping techniques, I'm a little older than you. I come from like the old school guard where that was like big on power rankings and fading the public and the betting percentages and all that. Same thing with my buddy Jimmy, who I do picks with on the show. So, uh, just, we were kind of away from the sports gambling world for a little bit. Um, and now we're back into it like full time since it went legal in our state and we started the podcast and everything. And we're just very interested by like kind of the, the new guard and, and the and the younger cats that are doing the computer models and stuff like that. Um, what is your personal opinion though on betting percentages? It's been in the news a lot lately. Some people say it's worthless. Do you take that into account at all in your handicapping or in your models? Sure. So first, before that exact question, I do want to say like I'm not no pun intended. I'm not on my high horse saying that computer algorithms are the only way to make money doing this. Um, there's definitely a million ways to do this. I think if you had to say without any computer help, that that would probably be less than optimal. Um, just if anything, not just that you're missing some like important data, but I think the psychology of making bets and picks based on kind of like instinct and gut calls and opinions and stuff, can lend itself to really hot streaks, but also really cold streaks, which both are very hard to deal with um, for an average person psychologically. Uh, but to your point about bet percentages, um, I don't take any of that into consideration. Um, 
because it's kind of like the chicken and the egg. Like, perhaps um, certain line moves or the fact that the public is all over one team may move a line to a point of value. And so that may be an instance where I would be, quote-unquote, betting against the public. But I'm not betting the game because the public liked the other team. I'm betting it because I have projected some probability for the team to win or cover. And it just so happens that I was able to get a valuable line there because the public created that situation. Um, mm. So, okay. you know, like the fact that 65% of people think something's going to happen doesn't mean it's going to or not. Um, and so, like, there's going to be all sorts of trends and stuff pointing out uh, what has happened in the past. But um, I do think markets are getting smarter. And I do think, like, it's really hard to backtest or have any conclusive evidence showing that, like, some amount of public action with or against you helps or doesn't help. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you think markets are getting uh, sharper just because of, of analytics in general? Or do you think the public's more well-informed with the Internet and all the data available? Or What's your feeling on that? I think it's two things. I think, number one, more data is available. And number two, we're getting better at making sense of that available data. Um, And so, like, if you just zoom in on baseball, like, the amount of uh, data now is just immense. Like, I don't know how much you guys follow, but there's all this stat cast data about exit velocity, launch angle, all this stuff. For pitchers, we have all their velocities, their spin rates, a bunch of stuff like that that uh, is all pretty recent. And then we're also getting a lot smarter about analyzing all of that stuff as well. Um, so I, I think it is data-based how the markets are getting sharper. Yeah. And and just like a quick thing I thought of here. Um, I mean, the, the fact that you, you know, recently got on Twitter back in May and you have such a, a large following and, and people really like your analytics and really relate to that. Obviously, like there is a huge like interest in that nowadays. Like I know you guys just kind of talked about it, but um, I mean, I think it's really interesting to notice that like there's more interest in like the data side of sports gambling now, Um, as opposed to like Chris, when you were talking earlier, you know, you're kind of an old school guy where you you're more situational, I guess, as opposed to analytics. But I just think it's really interesting that there's a lot more people really interested in like the data um, and the science behind that. Yeah, definitely. I, I've noticed that too. Even just, I'm still young and new to all of this, but I, even in just the few years I've been doing this, it seems like people are more willing and more excited about learning some of this stuff. Right on, dude. So uh, you're obviously a big analytics guy. Without revealing like some of your secret ingredients, can you tell us a little bit about your models and how much work goes into building them? I guess I'll stick with baseball just because that's the one that sort of, I guess, I'm known for. If mm-hmm. anything. I mean, I've, I've only been on here since May, so there's not much you could know me for <laughs> other than that. Um, You're killing yeah. it in football, too, though. Yeah, it's been a great year. So maybe that'll, uh, that'll flip-flop here if it keeps up. Um, yeah, I, I guess I can quickly answer how long it took. Probably, I mean, everything I'm always iterating and trying to get better in each off-season. Um, in a single off-season, maybe somewhere close to like a hundred hours of work. And that's not counting obviously like the years of experience I've had to like build up to know how to do it all. Um, But as far as how it works in baseball, I would say 
the main. So first off, one kind of unique thing, I think, compared to a lot of people is it accounts for every single player. Um, so I think everyone who's close to profitable definitely accounts for starting pitching. Um, and maybe they'll account for a big-time player like Mike Trout or Mookie Betts or whatever. But uh, I don't think many people account for the average MLB starter and the drop-off that exists in, like, day-to-day lineup changes and rest days. Um, and so that's probably one source of edge that I find. Um, I think another big one is, um, like, accounting for a team's true talent level based on how lucky or unlucky they've been with the sequencing of plays in their games. And what I mean by that is if you imagine an inning where a team at the plate hits hits a single and a home run and gets a walk and hits a ground out and hits a fly out and gets a strikeout in the order of walk, single, home run, ground out, fly out, strikeout, they score three runs. Versus if they go like ground out, fly out, home run, uh, walk, single, strike out, they only score one. And so the exact same things happened, but one produced three runs and one produced one. And all relevant analysis shows that there's nothing managers really can do to super accurately change around the lineup to significantly change, like, the outputs of sequencing like that. And, and And all of the edges that there are have been known for, like, decades and are already being placed like good hitters at the top of lineups and, and they hit next to one another. It's, it's not really more complicated than that. And so um, basically having that first scenario where you score three runs is a little bit lucky and the second where you only score one is a little unlucky. And so um, a lot of it is uh, stolen from, frankly, <laughs> uh, Joe Pita, the author of Trading Bases, which I, I can't recommend enough. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I consider him like a really good mentor to me. And uh, his phrasing for that is cluster luck. So basically, a lot of these good things all clustered close together. And so the team appears better than it truly is if it had a normal amount of luck. Um, so that's like one of the main sources, I guess, in the baseball model. Mm-hmm. Amazing stuff, as usual, <laughs> from Kieran, a.k.a. Barry Horse. You can follow him at BarryHorse29. Um, I think Mercedes has one more question here for you. Um, yeah, so Karen, so you're probably aware, uh, but the Dallas Mavericks uh, just hired a former professional gambler, Bob, uh, forgive me if I'm saying his name wrong, Bob Volgaris. That's it. Okay. Uh, as their director of quantitative research and development. Um, obviously, as a big analytics guy, they kind of hired him for that reason. Is this something that you would ever see yourself doing in the future? A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm super envious. Um, yeah, those are two guys, Volgaris and uh, Mark Cuban, two two guys yeah. I uh, had the – I don't want to break any NDAs, but I had the pleasure of uh, getting to know a little bit at Second Spectrum. And they've been around and are um, really smart guys in understanding this whole movement. I think Bob's impact is going to be a lot with the tracking data. So I, I don't know how much you guys have been following all the data now we have with the NBA with – Basically, there's all these cameras in the roofs now that are tracking all the players in the ball. And so you get right. their X, yeah. Y, and Z position. And there's just so much stuff you can uh, learn and glean from that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing they'll be doing a good amount of uh, scouting for individual players for their own team, a lot of game planning and stuff like that, too. That's wild. I, I heard about that. Aren't they going to be, like, selling that info to the NBA for, like, live in-game betting and stuff? 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's all existed, and all the teams have had it since like 2011, I want to say. Um, yeah. But yeah, the live betting impact is going to be really interesting. The, the Clippers right now do a lot of stuff um, on the jumbotron at their games already, so yeah, it's going to be crazy to see what this all looks like in five years or so. Yeah, totally. Where do you think like the future of this like whole sports gambling media space is going? Where do you see what do you see yourself doing in five years or or you know anyone in this space? I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to be doing <laughs> in five years. Um, I would hope that the media covering sports betting matures and wisens up. Um, this was sort of a hot topic last week, uh, not even in sports betting, but just kind of the analytics community as a whole, that whole thing with the Giants going for two uh, when oh, yeah. they were down 14. And, mm-hmm. and like you'd see these have. guys, and you'd see these guys like, uh, I think Booger McFarland's his name on ESPN saying, mm-hmm. I know the math says to do one thing, but deep down I just have this gut. I'm hoping that we mature to a point where we're not just spewing stuff about gut feelings and uh, we can get at least a little bit more quantitative, but... Honestly, given we've known a lot of these things for years, I'm not super optimistic, Um, but we'll see. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, you heard it. Another pun here straight from the horse's mouth. That was Kieran. He is the host of the Sports Thoughts Podcast with Jerry and Kieran and the author of the Bet It Up newsletter. Uh, Kieran, thank you so much for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at BarryHorse29. Appreciate it, guys. Best of luck to all the listeners this weekend. All right, guys, I can't believe it, but we're moving on to college football week 10, NFL week 9. As usual, we welcome back into the Cludio, the closet studio, Jimmy Dice Rulin, former Marist College defensive back, and my main man with the bets. What's up, my man? What up, dog? Just uh, looking forward to another winning week, and uh, hopefully uh, we can get some more winners and... uh... You know, uh, you guys can follow us along and just, you know, move forward. Let's go. No doubt. All right, let's uh, let's really quick, uh, before we go on to our college football nickel package, five best bets, let's recap our college football picks from last week. As I addressed at the top of the show, I am on an incredible losing streak, one of the worst of my career, three straight weeks, fucking losing, nothing but losing. My college football record last week was one and four. It's almost as bad as my NFL was last week. <laughs> <laughs> I won on Boston College plus three and a half on the Friday night game in the Red Bandana game. If you guys have never watched that, you got to tune in next year. It's a really emotional night. Awesome story. Wells Crowther, 9-11 hero. So I won that game plus three and a half, and then I lost my other four. I lost Duke minus two and a half. Sorry, sorry Brandon Soder. I lost Eastern Michigan minus two. I lost Louisville minus two and a half. And I lost Florida plus seven. And my money dog was a loser with the Navy midshipman. How'd you do, brother? Uh, Not too much uh, better. I'm actually also on a a two-game, or excuse me, a two-week losing streak. Week before, I was one and four with my best bets. Uh, This week, I did a little bit better. Uh, I was two and three. Uh, I did have a winner in uh, Kentucky, Missouri, uh, with that outright win on Kentucky. I also had the winner on Washington State over Stanford uh, with their straight-out win. Uh, unfortunately, don't know what happened with Washington. They got upset by Cal. I lost to Texas A&M, and they got uh, pretty 
handled pretty well by Mississippi State. And unfortunately, uh, Georgia looked like uh, they went back to their old winning ways and took care of Florida pretty well. And Florida was also my money dog. So, um, you know, again, I just didn't do too well last week in college, but I did slightly improve and looking to uh, keep on improving. All right, let's sh- let's shake off these bad vibes and uh, move on to this week. All right, guys, let's do our college football week ten nickel package. Chris, what are you feeling? All right, I guess I'll kick it off here. I don't know if I deserve to with my performance in the last couple of weeks, but uh, I'm feeling good about this week's slate of games in college and pro. So uh, let's get started here. This is a Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. kickoff. I like the Pitt Panthers plus 7.5 on the road in Virginia. Pitt owns a 7-3 record straight-up lifetime in this series. They won last year 31-14 in Pitt. I think they can keep it between the key number of seven here and possibly even win this game outright. Maybe a little sprinkle, sprinkle. I love sophomore QB Penny Pickett. He's a Jersey boy. Jersey! He can run and throw. He has some serious moxie. Yeah, UVA and Coach Bronco, they've been doing well. They're coming off three big wins, though, versus Miami, Duke, and UNC. I think this is a letdown spot here. Give me Pittsburgh plus seven and a half. For me, though, Chris, uh, my uh, first game of the week, I'm going to go back with a loser that I had last week. Uh, I'm going to go with Texas A&M, plus four against Auburn. Uh, right now, Texas A&M is 7-1 ATS, uh, the last eight games against Auburn. The road team is also 6-0 and ATS, with the dog being 4-1 and um, against the spread in this series. So um, right now, Auburn has definitely uh, underperformed this year. They're not playing for a conference uh, championship. Uh, they're not playing uh, for a potential um, playoff uh, berth. So, and really, I just kind of feel like uh, they're just kind of uh, coasting. And there's a huge, major look-ahead game with their biggest rival game next week in Georgia. So, um, I just really, uh, like I said before, I'm just fading Auburn, uh, just not liking how the team is playing. I feel like they're not even hungry uh, anymore, and I think Texas A&M uh, is still hungry to kind of uh, prove uh, that they are one of the big boys within uh, the SEC. So I'll take uh, Texas A&M plus four uh, against Auburn this week. All right, my second pick in our college football nickel package, five best bets. I'm going back to the well. I'm going to a uh, tired and old tradition that's always been good to me. I'm going back to my home dogs. I've been in a little bit of a funk this year. Going back to what I know, what I do best, home dogs, Northwestern, plus nine and a half. Yes, you may say I've bet against Notre Dame a couple times this year, and I have lost. But I can tell you that there's a ton of pressure on Notre Dame to win this game right here. They need to win outright and go undefeated in order to make the playoffs. If they have a loss, they may be left out. And Notre Dame has FSU next week. Yes, the Seminoles suck this year, but... That's still a marquee matchup, and it's much more of a marquee matchup than Northwestern is this week, so might be a little bit of a look-ahead right there. And the Irish have not played in Evanston since 1976. I'm not, I'm not telling you Northwestern has some sort of big home field advantage or anything, but at least Notre Dame's going to be playing in unfamiliar territory. And I still like the combo of quarterback Clayton Thorson, who will be playing on Sundays, I might add, and coach Pat Fitzgerald who grew up a Notre Dame fan and is looking to kick their fucking ass. Northwestern plus nine and a half. 
Yeah, brother. Uh, another game that I was liking as well. Uh, this is probably going to be an extra game I play this week. Uh, wasn't one of my best bets just for the fact that uh, Notre Dame scares me. They, uh, like you said before, they need to win outright uh, to keep their name in uh, one of those uh, four positions for the uh, championship playoff. So, uh, but I think nine points might be a little too much for them uh, away. Uh, but like I said, uh, uh, that. Definitely going to be a game I'm going to play, but definitely uh, was just shy of me having them as one of my best bets. So uh, I'm possibly jumping on on that ship with you as well. Yeah, number two for my uh, second play in the nickel package, Chris. I'm actually going against one of your squads, uh, UMass, um, and going with one of our (laughs) early uh, darlings, Liberty. Uh, Liberty's getting two and a half points in this game right now. Uh, My big thing is – uh, UMass's uh, senior quarterback Ford is out for the year, unfortunately with a torn MCL last week. Um, and you also got Liberty coming off a bye. So, and some of the uh, trends that I was looking at is you got 11 and one ATS for the away dog, and uh, UMass is 0 and four following an ATS win, where uh, Liberty is 13 and three. Uh, against the spread when they've accumulated over 450 yards the week before. So um, I just think Liberty is uh, one of those teams that uh, can play well. They have a good offense uh, through Turner Gill. And if you're not, uh, if you don't remember a couple of years back, these guys actually used to play in the same conference against each other. So these guys, these teams know each other. Uh, and Liberty Ooh. typically has uh, owned these series. So, um, I mean, just slightly under a field goal they're getting. Uh, I think Liberty is probably going to win this, uh, but I think the fact that uh, UMass's senior quarterback Ford is out uh, makes a huge dent. You can't just replace a senior quarterback um, like that. So uh, give me uh, Liberty uh, plus two and a half. Ooh, I like it. That's Jimmy Dice Rulin at James Rulin on Twitter. Give him a follow. Always offering up the nuanced, in-depth analysis from a player's perspective. Let's move on here to my nickel package. Pick number three here in college football, five best bets. I'm going Chalk City, my friend. Chalk City. Give me the Buckeyes. Ohio State, minus 17 and a half. It's a 12 p.m. Saturday game, and I'll tell you why I like the Buckeyes. They've had a week off to lick their wounds after they got absolutely fucking smashed by Purdue two weeks ago. By the way, I was on that game, and I added play. Um, I do look for them to show up here and show out in this spot. They need to win outright to have a puncher's chance at the playoffs, maybe, if things bounce their way at the end of the season. And let's face it, man, I'm extremely lamish on Nebraska and Scott Frost. The rebuild starts next year, obviously. So that's your third play? You got Ohio State? Ohio, Ohio State minus 17 and a half. I think they win by at least three touches. Woo! Now, yeah, that's... That's that's good luck, man. That's just a lot of points. Uh, you know our method. We typically don't like like laying chalk, so uh, good luck with that one. So uh, right now for my uh, third play on this nickel package set, um, I'm going to go with Stanford getting 10 points against Washington. A um, couple things uh, that I like about this right now is um, Stanford needs to win this game for a potential shot at playing for the conference championship. Uh, with Washington's loss last week to Cal, um, they're kind of in the back seat right now. Uh, you got Utah uh, in the other division. 
but then you also got Washington State kind of uh, leading that pack. Uh, and then they also have to still play Washington State at the end of the season. So, um, yeah, I know Washington needs to w- win this game, but I just like the fact that right now uh, Stanford is 11-1 and uh, ATS after a straight-up loss, where Washington's 1-4 and four, um, ATS against after a straight-up loss. So, uh, and then with the Stanford, they had losses against Washington State, Utah, and Notre Dame. Well, you got Washington um, losses against Cal last week, Oregon, and Auburn. Uh, and Auburn's really not looking that good this year, so that, that beat isn't looking as uh, as soft as it was initially. So um, Washington's 0-5 in the conference game uh, right now, ATS. And really, I just like the fact that, uh, you know, Stanford wins this game. You know, they have a shot to uh, still play uh, Washington State in the next couple weeks to um, battle for uh, the Pac-12 championship. So um, give me Stanford plus 10 uh, against Washington. I just think it's a little too many points, uh, but I think it's a potential shot where uh, Stanford actually wins this game. Uh, hopefully uh, Love uh, is playing well, but it uh, looks like he might not be in this game uh, too much. So, uh, again, give me uh, Stanford plus 10. All right, dude, no doubt. I'm a little surprised because I know we've both faded Stanford a couple times this year, but – I like in that potential scenario you're setting up with a Washington win this week and then maybe a potential uh, rematch in the Pac-12 championship game. All right, moving on to uh, my nickel package, pick number four here, college football five best bets. I'm going to go out on a limb. Since I am on a losing streak here, I feel like I need to shake it up, kind of change things up, and get the mojo back. You know what I'm saying, brother? I'm going to pick an over-under in my nickel package, five best bets here. I'm going with the Army Army and Air Force, under 43. And I'll tell you why, because these are two service academy teams, both running the triple option, both trying to fucking run the ball 99% of the time. The clock's going to be running, not much passing. And, I, you know, the game, i tell you what, Army won last year in Colorado Springs. I think Army, you know, they're actually on the on the line, on the side, they're actually getting uh, seven, I believe, Air Force. And I think they even have a chance to win this game. So, yeah, man, under 43. I'm taking an over-under in my nickel package. Rooting for no touchdowns. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty ballsy. I don't think we've uh, taken any over-unders uh, this year in uh, uh, our, our picks. So, uh, good luck with that. That is kind of a low scoring game but one thing i will say is these academies do have respect for each other so um typically when one team is kind of running it away uh you don't see too much kind of uh rubbing it in or running up that score they typically try to uh give respect and not try to embarrass uh anyone uh so yeah so that could be a potential play as long as there's no uh early first half touchdowns so but uh for my no uh, doubt, fourth no play, doubt. Chris. What are you looking at? Yeah. What are you looking at? For my fourth play, uh, I've kind of made a, a trend this year, uh, going against my squad, the U. Um, I'm just completely fading uh, the U right now. Um, Duke is getting nine and a half points against Miami in Miami. Now, granted, I know Miami is four and zero straight up at home. Um, and I believe they're 3-1 and one ATS in those four games. But they're both coming off a two-game skid. 
uh, excuse me, Miami is one and six ATS in their last uh, seven conference games. So I, I I think we've been saying it all all year, Chris. Uh, Miami just tends to be the slightly overrated, uh, one of the public's kind of favorite teams, and I just think uh, Duke is just kind of uh, getting a little, little bit more points than they should, you know, with nine and a half points. I think Miami does win it. Uh, but I just don't see a, a good, strong Duke team losing by uh, pretty much 10 points or more. So um, I'm going to fade my squad to you. Uh, hopefully they still win, but I don't think they cover that 9.5 against Duke. Dude, I love it. I don't even know how I missed that game. The Blue Devils are definitely a Wager Pager podcast approved squad. Um, I love that play. I'm most likely going to tell you on that. All right. You know, I kind of uh, – I usually do – Save the best for last. Um, this is the play I, I do feel strongest about this week. It is in a marquee matchup. It's uh, thir- 3.30 p.m. Saturday. Give me Will Greer and the Mountaineers. West Virginia, plus two. West Virginia won here in Austin two years ago. Yeah, Will Greer has had a little bit of an up-and-down season in terms of you know his per- personal performance. Uh, more picks than usual but I look for him to show up here in a major statement game in this spot Uh, yeah they had a big loss to the Iowa State Cyclones two weeks ago but they throttled Baylor last week 58 to 14 I think the offense is back and clicking and basically I'm not so sure Texas can score with them if this turns into a shootout so I just like West Virginia plus two even though it's on the road Give me Will Greer and the Mountaineers, plus two. You might even want to take at Moneyline because the two is almost meaningless. Uh, all right, man. Uh, for my fifth and final play for the nickel package, I'm going to take uh, a page from your playbook. I'm going with that big marquee game. I'm going with LSU at home getting 14.5 against Bama. Now, you know Ooh. I never – I never go uh, against Bama. I've always said that, you know, that they're just always scare me. Um, but this is just too much, uh, I think, too many points to give in a huge matchup. I believe it's like uh, number one ranked versus number four ranked. Uh, I mean, this has conference championship uh, implications. This has uh, bowl championship, uh, not excuse me, bowl championship, but uh, uh, the playoff uh, implications. Uh, it's just I just think this is way too much. They're both coming off fives. They're both five and three. Uh, but the main reason why I do like LSU this week is their defense is pretty solid. All right. Um, but Tua is actually has a slight knee injury. Now, granted, a week off to prepare would probably get him uh, closer to 100%. Um, and don't get me wrong, Tua at 80% is probably better than most quarterbacks at 100% in the country. Um, but you also got to realize that Hertz has also had a knee procedure on his knee and will not be playing in this game. So it's strictly going to be Tua uh, manning the, uh, the ship. And really, if you think about it, since he's played, he really hasn't had any true road test. Like this is going to be the first one. I know people are saying the championship game last year was a road test, but that's really a no, neutral, neutral field. Site. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, Baton Rouge is going to be wild. Uh, it's probably going to be rocking like no other. 
Um, and I just think that, you know, 14.5 points uh, in this big of a matchup is way too much. You know, some other uh, trends that I was looking at, Alabama is 1-5 and five, um, in November games, where LSU is 5-0 and oh in ATS in November games. Give me LSU plus 14.5. Uh, not the necessary win, but uh, to uh, definitely cover. So, uh... no, dude, I love it. It's a super sexy play. That was probably my sixth uh, game here that I just left off my nickel package. I just feel like uh, everyone's been talking about it now for like three weeks. It's almost turning into somewhat of like a public public dog right there. You know what I mean? But I, I think it's gonna. I think you're right. It could be a lot closer than everyone thinks. All right, guys, so what are you thinking for your money, dog? Tony, your money. You're so fucking money. So for my money, dog, Chris, I'm going to go back to the Pac-12. Um, I like my old state that I was uh, living in for five years. Uh, I like ASU Sun Devils at home. Um, I believe they're a plus 235 against Utah. Um, Utah is definitely a strong team, um, but I just kind of feel like I have a hunch on this. I just feel that ASU has been playing uh, some sh- strong, solid ball. Um, that stadium is going to be rocking because they know that uh, if ASU can knock Utah off, um, then they definitely kind of put that monkey wrench in that conference championship. So um, I like ASU getting uh, plus 235 at home, you know, so uh, – you know, why not? All right. Very interesting. Might have to rock that with you, brother. All right. For my uh, money dog play here this week in college football. Tony, your money. You're so fucking money. I'm going back to the Army Air Force game. I, I love Air Force. I love the Falcons. Give me uh, plus 225. I know Army's been playing great all year, but this is a really tough rivalry. Yeah, Jeff Munkin, great coach. But I think it, they're just due for a loss. They're due for a loss at this point. Yeah, like I said earlier in the nickel package, Army won last year at Air Force. I just think Air Force repays their favor this year with a win at West Point. Give me the Air Force Falcons for my money dog. Plus 225. All right, guys, we're moving into NFL Week 9, four down territory. Why don't you guys recap how you did last week? All right, man. Uh, right now, I am sitting pretty. Uh, I had a clean sweep last week. I was 4-0 with my NFL best bet. I had winners in Philly, in London. They were sipping some tea and uh, giving those Jaguars the bill. Uh, then you got Carolina, plus two against Baltimore. I uh, had a feeling that uh, Cam Newton was going to play strong on that one. I also had the Colts minus three against uh, the Oakland Raiders. Like I said, that team is just a straight dumpster fire. And uh, we also, I also played the Saints against Minnesota. Uh, I had them at plus one. Uh, I know the line moved to, I believe, a minus two, but it didn't matter. So I was a straight 4-0 on my uh, best bets. Unfortunately, my Jets sunk to bed. And uh, my money dog was a loser. But, hey, you know what? I'll take a 4-0 week any day of the year. And right now I'm riding on a 7-1 best best for my NFL over the last two weeks. So uh, looking to continue that, bud. How'd you do? All right, and that's why they call him Jimmy 
dice ruling. This man has been on fire the last two weeks in the NFL. I hope you guys are tailing him and fading me because I have recorded my third straight week of losing in the NFL, and I'm sad to report I fielded my first 0-4 slate last weekend in the NFL. I lost on the Jets plus 7.5, lost on the Packers plus 9.5, lost on the Ravens minus 2.5, and and lost on the fucking Jaguars plus 3.5. Really getting my shit pushed in, but hoping to turn around the boat, baby. Turn around the boat. Uh, Mercedes, how'd you do last week? All right, so I didn't do so hot either. I actually went one and three last week. I had Chiefs minus 10. I lost. I had Baltimore minus two and a half. I lost. I had the Jets plus seven and a half. I lost. But I won on Steelers minus eight, so we're good. And my money line was Green Bay Packers. They didn't win. I hope there's some people out there fading us right now because these <laughs> last couple weeks have not been pretty. I haven't had a good start, so... And you're taking this week off? And I am taking this week off. I've been super busy at work. Haven't had time to uh, handicap any of the games, but I'll be back next week. Changing jobs. Congratulations are in Thank order. A little bit of a promotion. Thanks. Woo. It's been a little crazy, so we'll pick it up next week for me. But but what are we thinking? What are we Ladies thinking? and gentlemen, she still has time to, to put out the pod for you guys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, hope. Don't forget the little people. This girl's moving up in the world. We can hopefully still produce this podcast in the future. We'll see. <laughs> you pay me right. All right. So what are we thinking? First down territory. Rule in. How about you? All right. So uh, for first down, hoping uh, to continue the winning ways, which I think I will. Uh, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers plus two against Seattle. Um not too sure why uh, a team coming off a bye that's actually been uh, under the radar all year. I mean, you got Kansas City in their uh, division. You got the Patriots. You know, everyone's talking about uh, the Rams. Uh, they're across uh, town, you know, pretty much rivals, I guess. You know, and, and the Chargers are just, you know, just pretty much flying under the radar. Uh, Phillip Rivers is a potential MVP candidate, you know, and everyone, and no one's really talking about it. So. The fact that they're getting two points against Seattle, now I know it's in Seattle. Um, Seattle's coming off, uh, I believe, three straight wins. So I just think that this number's a little um, inflated and kind of just favoring the public, thinking that, wow, this is the Seattle of old. But it really isn't. Um, I, I don't think Seattle's very good. I just think they've just kind of been getting lucky. Unfortunately, they had the death of their owner um, last week. So I think they're just kind of play, uh, playing with high emotions. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to take a, a, a team under the radar that's actually very good, who will make the playoffs and potentially kind of make some noise. Um, I'm going to take the Chargers uh, at plus two against Seattle this week. No doubt, dude. Uh, before we go any further, my second down play, um, I'm, I'm with you there, and I feel good about it. Uh, I love the Chargers plus one and a half. I feel like Seattle is definitely overflated in the market right now after winning four out of their last five games. Um, the Seahawks are not going to be able to run the ball on the Chargers, which is a big deal since Seattle is a very run-heavy squad this year. They rely on the run to keep defenses honest so they can open up play action for Russell Wilson to get outside of the pocket and do what he does. And not only does it make me feel confident that you're on this game, this is a little bit of a tail job for me here. I have been on a losing streak, so I'm calling on the force from the north, 
friend of the podcast, Adam Chernoff. He loves the Chargers too, so when I'm losing and I need a win, I'm going to follow my boy Adam. For my second down play, I'm going to take Pittsburgh plus three against Baltimore. This is always a huge AFC North divisional game. This is pretty much like a slugfest, whoever has the ball last. Um, but for me, Baltimore, I feel just a little bit of a downslide uh, in terms of their defense, not really playing up to what it's been beginning of the season. And it looks like Pittsburgh may have, um, you know, rode this ship uh, correctly. You know, um, Connor running well. I, I guess they're pretty much past the whole Le'Veon Bell situation. Big Ben, you know, I know they said he tends to struggle away. Um, I think that might be the biggest factor. But I just think, you know, Pittsburgh just owns this, this division. And I think to give them three points um, is huge because uh, typically this is a, a coin flip type game. So um, I'll take those points in a, a Pittsburgh team that usually wins this series. Love watching that game. That's probably my favorite rivalry in the NFL. They could even end up facing each other again in the wild card round. Love it. I have to tell you there. Moving on to my second down play here in our four down territory, NFL, four best bets. I'm looking at a 1 p.m. kickoff on Sunday. I'm going to lay some chalk here in the NFL. I'm taking the Vikings, minus four and a half. I feel like the Vikings are coming into this game. First off, they're on a bye next week, so they have no distractions. And Detroit, they're playing the Bears, another tough divisional matchup next week. Minnesota's 8-2 and two straight up. Their last 10 games at home, man. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Detroit is a mess right now. I'm not sure what they're fucking doing. They trade away Golden Tate. For seemingly no reason, they're bringing in Snacks Harrison. It's like, what are they doing at the trade deadline? Uh, Minnesota's desperate for wins, though, right now in a tough division that ha- does have some ties up in the mix. So they can't afford a loss to a lowly Detroit here. Give me Minnesota, minus four and a half. I think they win by at least a touchdown. Wow, man. Yeah, I, I kind of like that, the fact that you uh, give away one of uh, Matthew Stafford's and your team's best uh, receivers. Uh, it was kind of a little bit strange for me, considering the fact that they're kind of still in that uh, that race for the North. So, uh, but yeah, uh, good luck, bud. So uh, for third down, uh, my four down uh, package, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm also gonna lay some chalk. I'm gonna go back on that hot train. Uh, they did not get that eight and ATS start, but I'm gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs minus nine. Uh, we all are aware that Cleveland pretty much. Um, you know, cleaned house and all their coaches. It's about time. Um, but I just think, you know, there's way too much turmoil uh, going on in that. You know, uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, who's he really going to look to now? Uh, but Kansas City is just too hot, you know. Uh, they're, they're averaging, I don't even know, like almost 35, 36 points a game. You know, Andy Reid's going to have that team uh, playing hard. So it looks like Kansas City's defense might be starting to play a little bit better, um, where they're you know not just kind of giving up uh, all these points and yards. So um, I just think you know after a big coaching change and mix up uh, change up um, at the helm, uh, I'm going to fade Cleveland right now. I did like them you know earlier in the year, but uh, I'm going to ride that Kansas City train again, and uh, I will give the nine points. Very sensible play. I know you're probably half expecting me to tell you, no, I'm going up against you and taking Cleveland because I've been betting against the Chiefs every week. But that's one of the reasons my bankroll has been severely depleted. 
the last couple of weeks, so this is a stay away from me right now. But uh, good luck with that, my friend. Moving on here in my third down play in four down territory, NFL four best bets. I'm taking the Houston Texans plus one on the road versus Denver. This is a 4.05 p.m. Sunday kick. The Texans may be the most underrated team in the National Football League right now. Tell me I'm wrong. After a tough loss to the Giants in week three, they've fucking rattled off five straight wins. And somehow quietly, no one's talking about them. Watson, yeah, he was banged up, but he's getting healthier and healthier every week. I believe he's actually flying on an actual plane this week instead of taking a bus. He was so hurt he couldn't even fly in a plane the last couple weeks. But uh, I think they have a chance to go into their bye next week on a six-game winning streak. Give me the Texans, plus one. Hey, friend, I am actually going to fail you on that. Um, I know, uh, as you said, you've been struggling, but I think this is a smart play. I don't think Denver is very good at all. Um, you know, I know uh, they're having some issues with uh, ownership right now, so that could be a distraction, you know. Um, and I just don't think they have a, re- a very good offense. And, you know, Jadavian Clowney, you got J.J. Watt, you know, uh, just going to be pretty much creating havoc uh, for that pretty much offense, uh, no offense Denver. So, um, and like you mentioned, Deshaun Watson, you know, he's almost back to form on what uh, everyone was saying, you know, he was doing well last year, you know, with his running ability and, and you know, decision-making. So, um, you know, I know uh, Houston struggled uh, out early uh the blocks, but like you said, five-game win streak, potential uh, six-game win streak going into the bye. Uh, I mean, I'll take uh, Houston plus one uh, against Denver. So uh, I'll, I'm going to tell you with that, buddy. All right, for my fourth down play here in NFL, four best bets, four down territory. You know I'm going to do it. You know I'm going to fucking do it. I'm betting against the LA Rams. Give me the Saints, dude. Minus two. The Saints are 5-0 and against the spread. Their last five at home. And the Rams are only 1-3-1 and against the spread. Their last five games. I just feel like this could be a sucker spot here for the Rams. People are thinking like, well, the Rams getting points. They're 8-0. This is awesome. Like, It's just a little bit too good to be true for me, man. There's something special cooking down there in New Orleans this year, brother, and it's not the jambalaya. It is Drew Brees and the New Orleans fucking Saints. Rodgers had him on the ropes last week in L.A. Brees finishes the knockout this week. Give me the Saints minus two. Hey, man, good luck with that. Uh, I always said those two good-to-be-true spreads, uh, you always got to kind of go the opposite way. And like you said, you know, pretty much the best team in the league, the Rams, the hottest team in the league, um, you know, and they're getting, like you said, two points. Like, yeah, I'll take that. But I think when you see those two good to be true spreads, you jump on the other side. Uh, and, and that this fact is a huge marquee matchup. Uh, potentially you have two teams battling each other again for the NFC championship. So, uh, who that? Let's go, Saints. All right, guys. So, what are you thinking for your underdog money line play? Tony, your money. You're so fucking money. I'm going to fade the Dice Man and his squad, the Cowgirls. Give me the Tennessee Titans, man. Are you kidding me? Plus 220, almost 2.5 to 1 on the road, yes. But Tennessee is 4-1 and one against the spread their last five times at Jerry World. I think they can sneak a win here, my friend. They're obviously playing tough there. Give me the Titans. Plus 225. 
Excuse me, plus 220. I don't know, man. I don't think they're going to get the win. They may cover. I agree to that. <laughs> but I don't think they're going to get the win because, uh, I don't know, we'll see. It's crazy. I know it's up and down with uh, with Dallas. Hopefully uh, that Amari Cooper trade a week to kind of get into the system, make some changes, you know, opens up that offense for uh, easy E uh, to get into the end zone. So uh, good luck with that. So, But mine's kind of crazy too. So uh, for my money, dog play this week. Tony, your money. You're so fucking money. I'm going to ride a team that Mercedes tried to uh, get last week, and they almost pulled it out. Uh, I'm going to take uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers at a plus 194. Um, I just, like always said, you know, give Aaron Rodgers a shot, and he can potentially pull that out. Um, if idiotic, uh, who was it, Devontae Adams? Uh, no, Tom Montgomery. Yeah, yeah, if Ty Montgomery, I, I don't know what you're thinking. You got one timeout, you take a kneel, you get the two-minute warning, so technically you got two timeouts for Aaron Rodgers to go down 80 yards for potential um, win, and then he fumbles the ball. Like, come on. Like, he just gave a, a golden opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to kind of, you know, give L.A. their first loss. But I think this week, I, I just, you know, like I said, um, Green Bay is always in there. Aaron Rodgers uh, in your lineup always gives uh, that team a chance to, uh, to win. Um, I think everyone just feels like Patriots are just kind of uh, unstoppable. You know, give me uh, pay, uh, excuse me, give me Aaron Rodgers, uh, and I, almost a two two to one money line. So I'll take that. You know, no doubt. And uh, I'm sure you heard. I you know what they did uh, to repay Ty Montgomery for that fumble, right? Did they cuddle? They gave him a one-way ticket on the Baltimore Ravens train and a trade under the trade deadline today. One-way ticket to Baltimore, just like I need a one-way ticket out of this losing streak. That was Jimmy Dice Rulin, former Marist College defensive back, joining us for College Football Week 10, NFL Week 9, as usual. It's always a pleasure to have you here on the Wager Pager podcast, my friend. I'm hoping I can take some of your good luck and rub it on to me so I can win some fucking money this weekend because the gambling gods know I fucking need it. All right, man. Let's start off uh, the second half of the season uh, with some winners and start uh, building up that bankroll. So uh, let's do this. Let's have fun. All right, guys. That's it for episode 13. And as always, good luck, happy handicapping, and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you. And me. Don't forget about me. I'm in a losing streak. Oh, my goodness. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. And don't forget to leave us a review. And please, you guys, please tell all your friends about us. Please, please, please. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day and all calls are confidential. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager Podcast. Bye, guys. Later. Here we go.
Major Pager Podcast is co-hosted and co-produced by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Edited by Mercedes Barba. Created by Chris Rogers. Additional analysis provided by Jim Rowland. Music by The Morose Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. And all picks are for entertainment purposes only. These plays are not financial advice.